On Sundays, we've been going through the Grace Project. I really believe we need to know the grace of God. And on Wednesdays, I've been talking about grace a little bit too, but I think you might be a little screen weary. You might be tired of watching church online. Come on, hang in there. God is still speaking to you and I. And I will submit to you as much as the Lord has been talking to me and as much as I pray about what to share, I don't think you should miss anything that God is saying during this time because I believe you'll need every word from heaven to rebuild, to take hold of all that God has for you once this global pandemic is over. And here's the thing. I think we need to switch it up though, because on Wednesday nights, I, again, I've been talking a little bit about what I've been talking about on Sunday, but I thought, wouldn't it be cool if we switched up Wednesday nights a little bit and made it a Bible study? So yes, on Sundays, we're going to talk about the Grace Project, but from now on, on Wednesdays, we're going to go through a Bible study called The Life Of. We're going to be talking about the life of Jesus at some point, the life of David, the life of Paul. But I really want to talk about over the next few weeks on Wednesday nights, the life of Joseph. Why? God raised him up as a leader in the middle of a global crisis. We are in a global crisis right now. And I believe there are some tools, there's some revelation from the life of Joseph that you and I need to know, again, to take hold of all that God has for us. Abraham was a big character in the book of Genesis, and he took up like 14 chapters, and Joseph was right after that with 12. So any Bible character that takes up 12 chapters of a book we probably need to lean into. Many of us may know the story of Joseph. He was the second of the, the 12, the second youngest of the 12 sons that Jacob had. And, and, and his father, Jacob, loved Joseph more than any of his other brothers and gave Joseph a coat of many colors, a, a colorful tunic. And his brothers were jealous of him and they rejected him and, and, and got angry at him and threw him in a pit. And then after the pit, Joseph ended up in prison. And then after prison, God raised them up and made him second in command to Egypt, put him in a palace. Maybe if you grew up in church, you've heard that Joseph went from the pit to the palace. And I love that idea that we can go from our pit to our palace, whatever that means to you and I. But I think we got to be careful that we don't think that God owes us a palace because we've been in a pit. I don't think that God put Joseph in a palace because his brothers put him in a pit. I believe so strongly that God put Joseph in a palace because he knew Joseph would bless the people who put him in a pit. Later on, God would use Joseph to bless the very people that rejected him, to bless the very people that tried to kill him. And it is this humility, this character that I believe you and I need during this time. And so we're going to be diving in to the life of of Joseph. If you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis chapter 37, verse 1 through 20. We're not going to take too long here, but I believe God is going to give us a couple of key thoughts um, from the life of Joseph. Verse 1 says, so Jacob settled again. Jacob uh, was a shady dude. He was on the run from his brother because he had hustled his brother Esau out of a blessing and out of his birthright. And so he had to run from Esau from the place God had called him to be, the land of Canaan. And now Jacob, after uh, making up with his brother Esau, is finally settling back into the place of promise. So it says, Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan, where his father had lived as a foreigner. This is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph, this is who we're talking about, was 17 years old, he often tended to his father's 
flocks. I, I got to stop there for a second. Definitely not my main point. But God seems to have a fascination with shepherds, people who take care of sheep. Sheep aren't known to be very smart animals. And you got to be a special person to take care of a sheep, to, to lay your life down for a sheep. And God seems to have a special fascina fascination with these types of people. Joseph was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. Jesus is called the good shepherd. Moses was shepherding his father-in-law's sheep when God spoke to him from the burning bush. There's something powerful uh, that God does when he spots a servant serving a, a, an animal or a person that can give him nothing back. And, and I love that God started with Joseph yet again a shepherd. And the Bible says that Joseph worked for his half-brothers, the sons of his father's wives, Bilhah and Zilpah. Jeez. Come on, Bilhah, what you doing, girl? Bilhah and Zilpah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Joseph was a snitch. <laughs> and it says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day, Joseph, Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. Jacob hit Joseph with the Gucci robe. This would have been a fly tunic, y'all. Most people during those times, uh, they wore tunics. Matter of fact, babe, can you order me a tunic online when you get a chance? I'm just going gonna to flow different during the pandemic. I'm going to need a tunic. Okay, so, but the tunics in the Bible... They, they went like above the knee so people can work. Joseph's tunic would have went all the way down his wrist. You know, a baller don't show wrist bones, I guess, during that time. His tunic would have flowed all the way down to his ankles, symbolizing that he was in charge. He wouldn't have needed it to be uh, above the knee so he could work. He was the manager. So this type of tunic would have suggested that the brothers would know that even though he's the second youngest, he's not the oldest, that he was the favorite of his father. And the Bible says it made his brothers angry. Verse 4 said, his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. I want you to write this down. This is one of the things I want us to learn from the life of Joseph, that Joseph was his father's favorites and it brought the hate of his brothers. And one of the biggest ways we can cause division, write this down, please. One of the biggest ways we can cause division is to make certain people our favorites. Don't you have a favorite person? Don't lie and say you don't. And I'm not talking about your kids. They're supposed to be our favorite people. But you got to be careful that you don't have a favorite pastor. You don't like this person more than you like that person. Matter of fact, the Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. God doesn't like me more than you. God doesn't like you more than me. We got to be careful that we love people without playing favorites. And I really think that favoritism can open the door to prejudice. Because if someone is not like the way you want them to be, you got to be very careful with this. And I, I have to submit to you that if you have favorites, you typically want to be someone's favorite. And we, let me tell you a pandemic before the COVID-19. Y'all ready for the biggest pandemic I've ever seen? The pandemic of people pleasing. Woo, come on, people pleasers. Come on, confess right now. It's like uh, 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 People Pleasers Anonymous, PPA. Come on, we're joining PPA right now. Put in the chat, I'm a people pleaser. 
I'm a people pleaser. It's when you do things to gain the favoritism of people because you feel insecure about who you are if they don't acknowledge and validate who you are. We have got to solve this problem in the pandemic. Interestingly enough, the good thing about social distancing right now is you get to stay six feet away from the people you used to need to validate you. I'm going to say that again. The good thing about social distancing is you get to stay six feet away from the people you used to need to validate you. One of the biggest ways we can cause division is to make certain people our favorites. Can we honor and respect people who don't do things the way that we would like them to do? Matter of fact, think about somebody in your life that you don't reach out to because it's not your favorite person or they don't watch the shows you watch or listen to the music. We need to accept people in our life who are different. And I love the fact that we are a diverse church, but Pastor Philip used to say Dodger Stadium is diverse. It do diversity doesn't mean anything until we actually have relationships with a diverse group of people. This is so important that we understand the damage that Jacob did to his family by having a favorite. And one of the things I have learned, I've, I'm going to say this again, is that if you have a favorite, you'll typically need to be the favorite of someone else. And I want you to write this down too. You don't need to be a favorite. You need favor. You don't need to be a favorite. You need favor. Don't look at, at someone else and say, man, that's not fair. They seem to be the favorite. No, they might not be the favorite. They might just have favor. And if you humble yourself and you stay the course, you can have favor too. I don't need to be the favorite of people when I have the favor of God. That is freeing for somebody who deals with rejection from their boss, rejection from exes, rejection from spiritual leaders. That is going to free someone's right now. Matter of fact, I feel so strongly that someone is dealing with a spirit of rejection, which just means that they deem things that are not even rejection as rejection. And I really believe that God is going to free you right now with those words. I'm going to give you a second because it's so powerful. Just repeat after me. I don't need to be the favorite of people when I have the favor of God. This is so profoundly freeing. I haven't always been certain people's favorite, but I've always had the favor of God. You've heard faith over fear during this time, favor over favorites. Write that down. Dang, that's fire. This is good. This is good. You don't need to be the favorite when you have the favor of God. The Bible says that Joseph was his father's favorite, gave him a Gucci robe and that his brothers hated him. And then in verse five, after Joseph got the Gucci robe, he said one night Joseph had a dream. And when he told his brothers about it, they hated him even more. So get this, Joseph got the Gucci robe and they hated him. And now Joseph is having a dream and they hated him more than ever. Joseph said, listen to this dream. We were out in the field, me and you. We were tying up bundles of grain and suddenly my bundle stood up and y'all's bundles all gathered around and bowed low to mine. Ain't that a great dream? That was a nightmare for their brothers because their brothers responded, so you think you will be our king, do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? 
and they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them. So Joseph tells his brothers dream number one, and the Bible says that it, inc it increased the brothers hate for Joseph. So what did Joseph do? So Joseph had another dream and again told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream. He said, the sun, moon and 11 stars bowed low before me. This time he told the dream to his father as well as to his brothers. And this time his father scolded him. What kind of dream is that? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow to the ground before you? Think about this. I know this so strong that we are in a city of dreams. I know it's called the city of angel, but so many of you have moved out here for a dream. And Joseph had a dream and his brothers hated him for his dream. And his father said, what kind of dream is that? Somebody out there right now feels like they're failing because they moved out here for a dream. And not only are they not close to the dream, but they're now in the middle of a pandemic or somebody, the dream was going good in January. And now it seems like it's come to a complete halt and you feel the enemy saying to you, what kind of dream is that? Here is the thing. We don't need people to like us for the dreams we have. We don't even need people to believe the dreams that we have. The thing we need to know and be confident of is that the dream is from God. And it says his brothers were jealous of Joseph. And soon after that, Joseph's brothers, um, their jealousy, put their jealousy on display. And I want to encourage you, be careful when God gives you a dream that you don't tell it to a dream killer, somebody who is jealous of what God is doing in your life. And you might be saying, well, how do I know if they're a dream killer? One of the ways you can know is have they ever celebrated what God does for another person? Or do they question why God is not doing that for them? If someone is gossiping to you about another person, they're probably gossiping about you to another person. You gotta be careful who you tell your dreams too. And so the Bible says, Joseph and his brothers and his brothers go back out into the field to shepherd. And um, Joseph's dad in verse 14 says, go and see how your brothers and the flocks are getting along, then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way and Joseph traveled to Sheshem from their home in the Valley of Hebron. When he arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside, Joseph. In verse 16, Joseph says, I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they are pasturing their sheep? Yes, the man told him they moved on from here, but I heard them say, let's go on to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan and found them there. When Joseph saw, when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. And watch this, as he approached, they made plans to kill him. And they said this, here comes the dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. We can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we will see what becomes of his dreams. I, I want you to just think about this for a second. That Joseph's brothers were not just after him. They were after his dreams. I wonder if sometimes the enemy, when he sees us coming, says, here comes the dreamer. Let, let's hurt them and then we'll see what becomes 
of their dreams. I personally think that some of you have been so hurt by people, so rejected by people, and you think that it's the enemy is after you. No, he's after your dream. Because if he can get people to hurt you, you will live in such hurt that it'll kill your dream. I do not believe, hear me, that it is possible for another person to kill a God dream. But what is possible is for the enemy to send a person who gives so much hurt, so much bitterness, so much unforgiveness that you self-destruct and kill your own dream. Listen, I know this from the bottom of my heart that COVID-19 cannot kill your dreams. All over the world, people are losing jobs. People are losing their lives. And I really believe that any dream that we have to bury in this season, we either need to trust God to resurrect it, or we need to trust God that we would leave it buried because it was the wrong dream. It was about us. And I want to encourage somebody with this final thought before I pray for you. I know you believe God for a miracle, but can you believe that he would use a tragedy? So many times, some of the most tragic moments in life have raised up God's greatest leaders and have been a breeding ground for God's greatest blessing. And this is one of the most difficult times that we can go through together. But I really believe that in it all, your dreams will be alive and well. And I pray that right now, and here's the thing, dreams get a bunch of people who are jealous sometimes and dreams get a bunch of people who are, who will hate on it or, or, or not like you for what you dream. But here's my prayer for you, that whenever anybody ever sees you coming, they would be able to say, here comes the dreamer. Do not let COVID-19 keep you from dreaming. Do not let, don't just, don't just ever say, we'll see what happens. Well, we'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see what happens, but keep dreaming, keep believing, keep knowing that there's a plan for your life. If you're an actor, keep dreaming. If you're a musician, keep dreaming. If you're a leader, keep dreaming. If you're a student, you want to go to college and shut down your school, keep dreaming. For all of the young people that may be watching and you didn't get to go to prom and you didn't get to walk in your graduation, keep dreaming no matter what happens to you, no matter what people do to you, make sure that there is never a day that people don't see when they see you coming, that they don't say, here comes the dreamer. Father, I thank you for the life of Joseph and that because of that, we can learn some principles for our own lives. And God, I know that when the dream was revealed, things started to go wrong for Joseph. And I feel that so strong that somebody in January is like the dream. I just started to get a hold of the dream and now everything is going wrong. And this is exactly why you have called us to study the life of Joseph. The dream was revealed and then problems came. And God, I was intentional about the, the beginning of this sermon to tell people how this ended, how this ended. Stephen Furtick preached the message once. I know how this story ends and God, I know how their story ends. It ends with victory, it ends with favor, and it ends with blessing. And so God, 
Will you restore the dreams of your people watching this? And will you encourage them that you're still for them and you're working through this all? In Jesus' name, amen.